Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. Who's your favorite character out of the Christmas story? And Jesus doesn't count. Everybody likes Jesus, so he doesn't count. Who's your favorite Bible uh, character, uh, Christmas story character? Volunteers, we can talk. John the Baptist. Okay, how's he? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was there. Okay. Who else? Mary. Okay, Mary, you know, that's just right there with Jesus. Okay, one more person. The shepherds. Okay, the shepherds are great. Well, you know what? Since you guys aren't preaching and I am, we are going to talk about my favorite uh, Christmas uh, character, and that is Joseph. I think Joseph is really the unsung hero of Christmas. You know, when you think about Joseph and all that we know about him and all the ways we see him in Scripture, I mean, this guy... He is someone that we can uh, model. I mean, obviously Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and just about everyone but Herod, uh, you know, we want to, uh, we should be like. Uh, Herod, you're going to find out what Herod's like next week, okay? You know, those of you that have been around every once in a while, I like to do dress up and, uh, you know, kind of revert back to my five-year-old days. Next week, I'm going to be Herod in costume and uh, haven't done that one for like 12 years. But today we're going to talk about Joseph and next week I'm going to be Herod because there's a lesson we can learn from Herod. But today we're going to learn the lesson from Joseph. So if you got a Bible, open it with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to take a look at what we know about this guy named Joseph. And then we're going to ask ourselves, so what? Because there is a so what that I think applies to every one of us. Now, Matthew, he starts off his book and... uh you know, hopefully you've heard a sermon or two about Matthew, and you know that the reason Matthew was writing it was to assure people that Jesus was the king. He came preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's the king. He wanted to institute the kingdom, but instead of instituting the kingdom, they crucified him. He went back to heaven with the promise that he would return and then establish the kingdom. But Matthew is writing to assure people that Jesus is the king. And so what he starts off with is telling us Jesus' genealogy. But it's also Joseph's genealogy. Matthew chapter 1, look down at verse 16. You know, up at verse 2 it says, Abraham... To Abraham was born Isaac, to Isaac Jacob, to Jacob Judah, and all his brothers, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. You get down to verse 16, it says, And to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom, and that word whom applies to Mary, actually not Joseph, by whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ or Messiah. So this is Joseph's genealogy. 
This is Joseph's heritage. And why is that important? Because Joseph is the man who is going to become Jesus's legal father. Not his biological father. Actually, Matthew is real careful about wording that. We're going to talk a lot about the virgin birth here in just a little bit. But I wanted you to see that, that Joseph is out of the line of David. In fact, look back up at verse 6. Here's the genealogy of Joseph. It says, And to Jesse was born David the king. And the Messiah was supposed to come and be the king just like David was the king. In fact, the Messiah was going to come and sit on the throne of David. In fact, I just read it this morning in Amos chapter 9. The promise to Israel was that someday God was going to raise up the house of David to be their king. Joseph is out of the line of David. David was his great, 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 how many greats, I don't know, grandfather. But Joseph, as you know, and you can even see it there if you read real closely in verse 16, yeah, he was Mary's husband, but he wasn't Jesus' father. But the point Matthew's making is he was his legal father. And so just to, to make sure we understand, the reason Matthew's writing this book is he wanted everyone to know that Jesus was the legal heir to the throne of David. And even though Mary is also of David, if we were to take the time, we could go over to Luke chapter 3, and we'd find that same genealogy, except it gets a little different. Because Joseph, and you can see this in verse 7, Joseph is out of the son of David named Solomon. But if we were over in Luke 3, we'd find out that Mary was related to David, not by Solomon, but by Solomon's brother, one of David's other sons named Nathan. So in a way, and I don't know how many seconds and thirds and fourth and, you know, thirteenths or whatever, Joseph and Mary were distant, distant, distant cousins, both relating back to David. And so Matthew's just starting off saying, Jesus is the legal heir to the throne. Sure, he's, Dave, he's Mary's son who's related to David, but, you know, unfortunately in that day, it didn't matter who your mama was. It mattered who your daddy was. And Joseph was Jesus' legal father. Well, okay, let's ask the question. Okay, how in the world did Joseph get the job? Well, that's what verse 18 is. So let's look at the book, Okay. Matthew 8, 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ went like this. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph and Mary are engaged. 
And as you probably know, in those days, the, an engagement was, was really a legal contract. Evidently, Joseph would have met with Mary's dad, and they would have agreed together that the two of them would be married. And, and it was a, a, it wasn't just a, you know, hey, you know, can I have permission to ha- marry your daughter? Yeah, sure. You know, no problem. B- no big deal. It wasn't just even a matter of going and buying a ring and slipping it on her finger and saying, okay, you know, here in a couple months, six months, nine months, whenever I get ready, we'll get married. No, I mean, this was a legal binding relationship. And to break it, you actually would have had to get a divorce. I mean, you, you, it was a legal thing. It wasn't just, hey, I've changed my mind, I met someone else, whatever. But here's Joseph in this relationship with Mary, a legally binding engagement, and he finds out that she's with child, that she's pregnant. And maybe he had heard the explanation that she's pregnant by means of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a miraculous conception. Not the immaculate conception, as the Catholics talk about. The immaculate conception is their doctrine of how Mary was conceived, a doctrine that's not taught or not even found at all in Scripture. But this is a miraculous conception that Jesus really and truly was going to be virgin-born. He was a virgin-conceived. And Joseph maybe heard all that story, but can you imagine... If you were married, if you're married, can you imagine thinking back to that time when you were engaged and you found out that your spouse was going to be a parent and you were not the other parent? I mean, all of those things that we can imagine, I'm sure they went through Joseph's head. I mean, she's betrayed me. She's stepped out. They're living in Nazareth. Nazareth was in the northern part of the country, Galilee. And one of the things in Galilee was that Galilee was kind of an outpost for Roman military units. You know, so there's a lot of foreigners, a lot of Gentiles. Who knows what happened? Did she betray? Did she get abused? What happened? But she comes up with a baby. And she's saying the baby's of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph's basically got three options. Divorce her publicly divorce her privately, or just go ahead with it and believe her. Well, look at verse 19. When Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, he desired to take and put her away secretly. He was going to take option two. Didn't want to publicly divorce her. Didn't want to humiliate her but he certainly didn't want to marry her. Didn't want to just believe her and go through with it. And so he was going to get a quiet divorce and just let her be her father's responsibility. Well, that's when God steps in. Verse 20. But when he had considered this, which tells you he'd been thinking about it, you know, maybe several days passed as he's thinking through Finally, what God does is God sends an angel. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Uh, Was it Gabriel? We don't know. It was Gabriel that appeared to Zacharias. It was Gabriel that appeared to Mary. But here uh, Matthew just says it was an angel. So it might have been Gabriel. It might have just been someone else that got the assignment, some other angel. 
an angel appears to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And isn't it interesting that he said, do not be afraid to do it. You almost get the impression that Joseph, you know, one of the things that was tipping his, his decision there was, you know, some fear. I mean, I'd like to believe her. You know, I mean, she seems to be sincere. It seems to make sense, but, you know, what are people going to think? And, you know, is this going to be some baggage we're going to carry the rest of our life? I mean, there he had some legitimate fear there. And what God says is, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In fact, verse 21, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Jesus, that's the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Savior. You're not going to call him Joe. He's not going to be Ben-Joseph. He's going to be Jesus, Joshua, Savior, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I don't know whether the angels stopped talking and Matthew added verses 22 and 23, or if this is just Matthew adding it uh, there as an editorial comment, but Joseph somehow got the gist of what's going to be said there in verse 22 and 23. He, he heard that this thing that's going on, this situation that he had been thrust into, these circumstances unpleasant as they were as as much as in such a way to generate all this fear inside of him he realized that this is something that is prophetic now all this took place verse 22 that what was spoken by the lord through the prophet isaiah matthew doesn't tell us that i'm just telling you matthew isaiah chapter 7 by the way. Now all this took place at what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And so the angel is making it clear to Joseph, Mary's telling the truth. Whatever fear you have of entering into this situation, it's nothing. That's just fear. Do not trust fear. God never leads by through fear. God leads through clear, precise instructions. Don't worry about what people are going to think. You need to worry about doing what I tell you to do. And I'm telling you, take her to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She is going to have a son, and you are going to name him Savior, Jesus. And this is all going to be in fulfillment of what was said 
750 years earlier, when Isaiah said it to Ahaz the king, there's going to be a virgin. She is going to have a son. And that son is going to be titled, named Emmanuel, God with us. That son is going to be the very presence of God. Virgin born. Virgin conceived. And notice what what, uh, Joseph does. Verse 24 and 25. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife. And he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In that custom, that engagement, uh, it was a firm set relationship that was going to be solemnized in a marriage at a certain time. Joseph didn't wait that certain time. As soon as he got the word from the angel, he immediately goes and marries her. He takes her to be his wife. Perhaps he showed up at her place. Perhaps he sought her dad out and said, we ain't waiting until March. We're getting married right now. And he takes her and he saves her virginity. And when that baby was born, as we all know the story, as the kids read the story to us, when it came time to name him, eight days after his birth, probably at his circumcision, rather than calling him Joseph, he's not going to be little Joey, he's going to be Jesus. Now, what do you see about Joseph here? You see a guy that that hears the word of God and he responds in obedience. And I mean, did he have reason to disobey? Did he have reason to question? Absolutely. I mean, his fiance turns up pregnant and she's got the wildest story he'd ever heard. Does he have reason to sit and say, God, you know, pass it on to someone else? Sure. I mean, this is going to be baggage, if you will, that is going to carry them, that is going to follow them the rest of their life. I mean, you could even go, if we took the time, you can go to John 8. Joseph's probably dead. Mary is an old woman. Jesus is a man arguing with the religious leaders. And what do the religious leaders uh, accuse him of? Being an illegitimate child. I mean, they are mocking Jesus as a 33, 35-year-old man about the circumstances of his birth, of his conception. I mean, that followed them the rest of their life. I mean, did Joseph want to get to the exodus? To the exodus. Did Joseph want to get to the exit? You bet he did, just like you would and just like I would. There isn't one of us that would have said, hey, that sounds cool. I think this would be kind of cool to, you know, be part of it. Well, sure, with 2,000 years of perspective, we look back on it and say, yeah, I'd love the job. Sign me up. Where do I apply? But when you are in the moment, in real time, and you've got a pregnant fiancé, 
and an angel shows up and says, hey, this is what you got to do, and I want you to take care of it this morning after breakfast, I mean, it is time to fish or cut bait. And what did Joseph do? He got to work, and he obeyed. And he took Mary as his wife. Let me just show you a couple other things, and then I'm going to wrap it up. The thing that is so cool is every time you see Joseph, that's exactly how he always responds. Look over in chapter 2. Chapter 2, we start hearing about these wise men that come to town, and they want to go visit Jesus. They've heard he's been born. By this time, Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. The whole story of there's no room in the inn, so he's born in the stall, in a stable. Uh, after a little while, they get into some kind of a house, maybe a more permanent dwelling. But, you know, Jesus is still maybe a few weeks old, a couple months old. Wise men come. They want to worship him. Herod finds out about it. And like I said, you'll learn all about this next week. You'll see it all next week. And, and what does Herod do? Herod is like infuriated. That there are people that think a, a king is born and that king is not one of Herod's. Well, the wise men leave another way. And so Herod, when he finds out he's been tricked, he sends a squad of soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all the babies, two, little baby boys, two years old and under. Now, Bethlehem is just outside of Jerusalem. I mean, you could get there in a, a brisk walk, a two-hour walk, if you were going to do it briskly. Soldiers could get there on horse easily in under an hour. And this is of high importance Herod sends these, these people to kill those 20 or 30 baby boys in that little village of Bethlehem that's just six miles away. Well, look what happens. Joseph finds out he's sleeping again. Now, it came at verse 13, 213. Now, when he, they had departed, when the wise men had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord, probably the same one that had appeared to him before, appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And then look at verse 14. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. I mean, he didn't even wait till morning to do it. He has the dream and he immediately gets up and gets out of Dodge. I mean, can you imagine that? Two-month-old baby, three-month-old baby. You got to pack everything up. You got to figure out how we're going to do this. But he does all of that. Can you imagine because of the proximity of Jerusalem to Bethlehem? I mean, Herod's soldiers would have been at their little house that day, that morning even, searching for any baby boy two years old and under because they wanted to destroy him. When does Joseph get him out of there? Just hours before. What does that tell you about him? The guy obeyed 
Immediately, he gets the word from God and he goes. You know, what do I do? I get the word from God and I wait for confirmation. And I think about it. And I think, I'm going to run that by Vicki if I ever think about it when we're around each other. So like four days later, it's like, hey, you know, I had this thought and I was thinking we ought to do this. And what do you think? Oh, you should do that right away. And I'm like, well, might, you know, I'll think about it. I'm going to keep praying about it. You know, I would have prayed for five months and then thought, boy, I guess we should have got that kid out of here, you know? I mean, obviously God would have saved Jesus, but he would have done it some way other than through Joseph. Look at the, look, look one more illustration out of the story. Look at verse 19. Okay, they're down in Egypt, and they stay there a long time, probably a couple years. But then they find out that Herod's dead. Herod, we think, died about two years after the birth of Jesus. And then his son, Archelaus, takes over. And Herod was bad. Archelaus was bad. Well, when Herod's dead, verse 19, behold, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph again in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And what does he do? Again, immediately he obeys and responds to God's word. Arise, take the child, and go. Verse 21, And he arose, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in another dream, he departs for the regions of Galilee. And it came and resided in the city of Nazareth. What is Joseph doing? He is constantly responding positively, immediately, submissively, aggressively to God's work, God's word in his life. You know, when I go to the so what of all this thing, I mean, that's got to be the takeaway. When you think about Joseph, you are thinking about someone who immediately responds to God's word. He doesn't sit and say, well, I think I'll pray about it some more until God gives me the answer I really want. No, he immediately puts it into to action. Now, we covered a lot of stuff there, and, and so let me just show you some stuff here. You know, what was the whole deal about the genealogy? Matthew was making sure we knew, his readers knew, everybody knows, he's the king. What's the whole deal about all this information about the virgin birth? That it really wasn't Joseph's baby, it was Mary's baby, who had become pregnant by a miraculous miracle of the Holy Spirit. Well, he's the Savior. He's, he's the one designated to come as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He's the King. He's the Savior. So in this story, it's kind of the backdrop. We're finding out this baby, this Jesus, this Word of, of God, he's the King. He's the Savior. Well, how do you respond to him? How do you respond to him? You respond to him like Joseph did. Immediately, 
and selflessly obey God. That's the lesson of Joseph. You know, as we think about Christmas and all the wonderful things that are going on with Christmas, we've got to ask ourselves, what is it we learn from these people, these players in it? Next week, we'll learn a lesson from Herod, a negative lesson, but it's a great lesson that every one of us ought to take to the bank. What do you learn from Mary? What do you learn from the shepherds? What do you learn from the other players? What do you learn from Joseph? You learn from Joseph that when God tells you to do something, you go do it. You know, and I often think, how many times has God made clear to me something to do, and I haven't done it? You know, I've sat and I thought about it. I thought, this is just a little out there. You know, I'm going to need a little bit more. And I wait, and I wait. And sometimes God graciously gives me some other information. Sometimes God doesn't give me anything at all. And the opportunity passed. And I wonder, how many times have I missed out? You know, some of the best things I have done in my life have been to immediately act on those impulses, that information, those words from God, and I got up and did them. I'm not going to tell you the details of it, but there was one time I was reading in my Bible one morning, and something came to my mind, and quite frankly, in that situation, God had brought it to my mind six, seven, eight times over the course of a few years. And God brought it to my mind that morning, something about the passage of Scripture that I was reading. And I just knew that's what I needed to do. And I ate breakfast, came to the church, and uh, never even told Vicki. Thought, you know what? I'm not going to run this by anyone. I'm just going to go obey, and then I'll tell people about it. And you know, I got here. And I set up a meeting, and fortunately, the guy was available. And in 30 minutes, we were talking. And I'll tell you what, it's one of the best things I ever did because I immediately acted on what God had spoken to me, what God had put on my heart to go do. I'm sure that if I had made a few phone calls, I'm sure that if I had presented it to Vicki, in the right way, she'd have been like, yeah, no, I, you know, that, that is something you really ought to think about. Let's, let's sit on it a while, you know? Because I could have told it to her in any color with any set of lenses on, and I could have got her to agree to do the wimpy thing. But that isn't what I did that day. And you know what? I'm so glad I did that. And I could tell you that over and over and over. And here's the best part. I'll bet you could tell those stories too. You have had those moments where you said, this is what God wants me to do. And as soon as you could, you picked up the phone. You drove over. You made the contact. You you wrote the check. You did the deed. And you look back on it and you say, that's when God worked. Truth of the matter is that's when you worked and did what God told you to do. And it's great. But I'll bet you, like me, 
could sit and say, man, there's been a lot of times that I've thought God wanted me to do something, but the opportunity came and went, and nothing ever became of it. Well, maybe nothing ever became of it because we didn't swing at the ball. And maybe God, like in my situation, gave us another opportunity, another opportunity, and on the sixth or seventh time, we took a swing. But I know there's been many times it was one pitch and God wanted me to swing and I looked at a strike. Have you done that? I'll bet you have. You know what? If there's anything I think we can learn from Joseph, it is that when God calls us, when God puts it on our heart, when we are certain God wants us to work, the person that God uses the person that God that accomplishes what God wants accomplished and and does so in an incredible way is the person that does it immediately, selflessly, ignores the fear, ignores the intimidation of all the circumstances, is willing to carry the additional baggage that says, I'm doing it because that's what God wants. Who's the unsung hero of Christmas? I think it's Joseph. And I think it's because he did what God called him to do. That's the kind of people we should be. Let's pray, okay? Father, I thank you that uh, we can look at a guy like Joseph, just a normal guy. And uh, Father, because he was willing to be used by you and didn't really question you, didn't really delay in his obedience, ignored all the worldly excuses. He became someone that was heroic in your kingdom. Father, I think all of us here today, we would like to be heroic people. We'd like to do something big for you. Father, I pray that when you give us those opportunities, I pray we would step up. We'd swing at the ball. we trust you with the results. Father, I thank you that you do want to use us. And I pray that uh, as we uh, just are seeking to live for you, Father, I pray you would give us the courage to fearlessly follow you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.